There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cop of murder... The most microscopic evidence can solve even the biggest of cold cases. On December 22, 2016, a man was arrested in connection to a crime that, had it not been for the tiniest piece of evidence, may have never been solved. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. On January 27, 1996, a young woman named Sarah Spires, just 18 years old, was leaving Club Bayview, located in the center of Claremont, a wealthy suburb of Perth, Western Australia, at around 2 in the morning. At 2.06, she called the Swan Taxi from a public phone and asked to be taken to a nearby suburb of Mossman Park and was spotted by three different eyewitnesses who saw her standing alone at the corner of Sterling Road and Sterling Highway. She was then seen getting inside of an unidentified car and at 2.09, when the taxi arrived to pick her up, Sarah was nowhere to be found. Despite the fact that her case attracted a massive amount of publicity and that it was handed over to the major crimes unit within 48 hours, the fate of Sarah Spires remains unknown. Less than five months later, in the early morning hours of June 9th, 1996, Jane Rimmer, 23 years old, disappeared from the same area of Claremont. She, like Sarah, had been out the night before with friends. And after her friends called it a night and she kept going, she was last seen outside the Continental Hotel at around 12.04 a.m. 55 days later, her naked body was found by a family picking wildflowers. She was about 24 miles from where she was last seen by the security footage. Unlike some cases where it takes years and years for police to make any connections, the local Claremont investigators from the very beginning knew that the disappearance of Sarah Spires and the murder of Jane Rimmer were far too similar to be a coincidence. A task force called Marco was set up just in time for another girl to go missing. On March 15, 1997, 27-year-old Sierra Glennon was hanging out with friends at the Continental when she decided to make her way home. Three men at a bus stop saw Sierra walking along Sterling Highway at approximately 12.30 a.m. and saw her speak with a driver of a light-colored vehicle that stopped alongside of her. 19 days later, her semi-nude body was found about 24 miles away in Eglinton. Her throat was slit, and she had signs of blunt force trauma to her head. Certain there was a serial killer active in their area, police confirmed all of this with the Western Australian government, who offered a $250,000 reward for his or her capture. Meaning the Claremont serial killings were not only the state's biggest, longest, and most expensive investigation, but the reward was the largest they had ever offered. Working with what they knew, the investigation concentrated on the unidentified vehicles seen at two of the Claremont locations, an unidentified man seen in some of the security footage, and Perth's taxi drivers. In addition to that, a massive fingerprint and DNA testing took place involving thousands of local drivers that resulted in 78 drivers who all had a significant criminal history being delicensed and stricter standards were applied for the future. 
Marco, which at its peak had over 100 members, kept as many details about the case private as they could, hoping this would help to capture or rule out any possible suspects. However, not all of their actions received admiration and praise. In addition to the good that they were doing, Marco made the controversial decision to distribute a questionnaire to about 110, quote, persons of interest, which contained questions like, are you the killer? And relied heavily on the use of an imported lie detector machine. But probably the most head-scratching decision came when one of the officers accepted an offer to help in the investigation by famed serial killer David Burney. Plagued by the criticism and desperation clouding their judgment, Marco had 11 police reviews over the course of its lifetime, and by September of 2005, the investigation was moved to the Special Crime Squad. Over the course of this investigation, a few suspects were named as the Claremont serial killer. Most notably, in April of 1998, when a man named Lance Williams became the prime suspect after his odd behavior attracted the attention of police. Lance was observed driving around after midnight and circling the Claremont area about 30 times in one night. However, after hefty surveillance, years of pressure, and about six police interviews, Lance maintained his innocence. In 2008, police announced that he was, quote, no longer a person of interest. He died in 2018. Other suspects were Bradley Murdoch and Mark Dixie. Both were then ruled out. Then, on December 22, 2016, a man named Bradley Robert Edwards was arrested in relation to the deaths of Jane Rimmer and, the next day, was charged with their murders as well as a housebreak-in and the unlawful detention of an 18-year-old girl from 1988 and two counts of aggravated sexual penetration without consent of a 19-year-old girl from Claremont in 1995. Despite having no previous links to the Claremont killings, on February 22, 2018, Bradley Edwards was charged with the willful murder of Sarah Spires, bringing his total to eight offenses. It seemed like for the first time in well over a decade, citizens of Western Australia and the world were getting the answers they were desperately searching for. Up until his murder trial, the public had no clue how, after all of these years of investigation, police finally landed on Bradley Edwards as a suspect. It was later revealed in front of the Supreme Court of Western Australia that at the heartbreaking scene of Sierra's murder, police found one tiny silver lining. Sierra had fought her attacker until her last breath, and because of that, she suffered from severe damage to her left thumbnail a nail that, when examined, contained the killer's DNA that, in 2009, forensic scientists were able to recover unknown male DNA from. This discovery completely altered the course of the investigation, and with it, police were able to link the profile to an unsolved abduction and rape in the Karakata Cemetery from 1995, the year before the Claremont killings began. Five years later, in 2014, microscopic blue polyester fibers were found on the rape victim's shorts that were then linked to the fibers found on Jane Rimmer and Sierra Glennon's bodies. It was then later found out that the other fibers found on Jane and Sierra's bodies belonged to a Holden Commodore VS station wagon, the type of car Bradley Edwards was driving at the time of the murders. However, police didn't know that bit yet, so the case, for a moment, hit a dead end. 
that was until an evidence box from a 1988 Huntingdale sexual assault was sent to the lab for a routine cold case review, and DNA was recovered from the long-ago semen-stained kimono that was left at the scene. It was matched to the Claremont killer's profile. The Huntington Dale case was reopened and within weeks connected to Bradley Edwards. Shortly after his arrest, police reached out to veteran Telstra employees where Bradley worked and asked them to hand over their old uniforms for testing. When they got a hold of a set from the 1990s, they found that the fibers used in the uniforms matched the blue polyester fibers found on the rape victim's clothing and on both Jane and Sierra. With these fibers and his DNA, there left very little doubt that Bradley was the rapist and the killer. During his trial, which began on November 25th, 2019, Bradley admitted to all of his non-murder charges, taking responsibility for the 18-year-old girl whom he brutally assaulted and raped after breaking into her Huntingdale home, the assault of a 40-year-old social worker at the Hollywood hospital behind her own desk, and the abduction and repeated rape of a 17-year-old girl who was walking home in Claremont, taken to the Karakata Cemetery, and left half-naked to die. The testimonies of three women were heard by the jury, with two of the women coming to face their attacker in the court. There was also testimony from his former wives and partners about the tumultuous nature of their relationships how he pressured his first wife to marry him the night before the social worker's attack, and his explosive reaction to things not working out in his life. A security guard even placed a telecom van, like the one Bradley drove during the 90s, near the Karakata Cemetery on multiple occasions, both after the cemetery attack and before the disappearance of Sarah Spires, and a group of witnesses named the Burger Boys identified Bradley's Commodore with its distinctive teardrop hubcaps as the station wagon seen driving around when Sierra Glennon went missing. Another witness was a former Telstra employee who told the courts how Bradley, along with the other employees, had been issued a blue toolbox containing a green-handled lock blade pocket knife with a pointed tip a blade that could have easily caused the neck wounds found on both of the Claremont victims. The blade was later deemed a mistake by the company and ordered to be given back. Bradley claimed he had lost his and never handed it in. The replacement knife, brown, wooden-handled with the telecom logo, was found near Jane's body. The defense worked to try and downplay any and all physical evidence in the case, and cast doubt on the integrity of the forensics, claiming Bradley's DNA contaminated the canister containing Sierra's fingernails while at Pathwest Lab. He also argued that the car and uniform fibers could have all come from other sources and had gotten onto the women's bodies prior to their abductions or after their bodies were found. He was, however, unable to argue how or when these contaminations occurred and conceded that he had no direct evidence to prove his theories. On October 21st, 2019, Bradley Edwards pleaded guilty to the five non-murder charges. And after seven months of hearings, evidence, and 200 witness statements, the presiding judge handed down a 619-page verdict in which he found Bradley guilty of the murders of Jane Rimmer, and Sierra Glennon. He was not found guilty of the murder of Sarah Spires, due in large part to her body never being located. 
On December 23rd, 2020, he was sentenced to life imprisonment with the possibility of parole after 40 years. Many believe Sarah Spires was not Bradley's first victim and suspect him in the disappearances of 22-year-old Julie Cutler from 1988, 19-year-old Lisa Brown from 1998, and 20-year-old Sarah McMahon from 2000. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to what terrible thing happened on December 23rd. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.